Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, it's time for Charitable Georgia. Brought to you by Bees Charitable Pursuits and Resources. We put the fun in fundraising. For more information, go to beescharitablepursuits.com. That's B-E-E-S charitablepursuits.com. Now, here's your host, Brian Pruitt. Good, fabulous Friday morning. It's another fabulous Friday. We've got three more fabulous guests, and this is your first time listening to Charitable Georgia. This is all about positive things happening in the community. So, Sharon, welcome back again this morning. Thank you. So happy to be here. I guess Stone just wants to let you just do the show the rest I'm of the time. I'm taking over everything. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> so, Sharon, you know you well, we bring stories on of all kinds of positive things happening on here, right? So you're going to hear three more amazing stories this morning. So our first guest this morning is Joan Manis from Old Cartersville Tours. Joan, thanks for being here this morning. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So uh, you shared with me your story not too long ago, and you to me, you have a story of overcoming perseverance and following your dreams all at the same time. Mm-hmm. So um, if you don't mind, give us your background. I'm not easily discouraged, as you can <laughs> tell. Uh, and I'm not old. My body has just been on earth for a while. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way I like to look at it anyway. There you go. Uh, Yes, I started Old Cartersville Tours about two months ago in Cartersville. I've I've tried to retire two or three times. It just doesn't take. It's like a vaccine that doesn't take. Retirement doesn't take for me. Uh, I cut my teeth uh, in the business in uh, Savannah. I did not go down there to work in the tourist business. I went down there to retire. And I had a friend that, uh, well, actually a neighbor, she would come out every day, and we wore costumes there when we were touring on the uh, trolleys. And she said that uh, she worked on one of the trolleys. I'm like, you know, I'm kind of getting bored of doing everything I want to do and going to the beach two or three times a week. I mean, you can get tired of that, too. I said, I think I'd like to do this. And I hired on with old Savannah Tours in the historic district there. And started touring. Had to put my own tour together. They give you a historic guide, but they don't give you a word-for-word tour. So you got to kind of dig down in that. And so that's what I did and put my tour together. And then I I do believe in divine guidance, and it has been really evident in my whole life. So one day I'm on the tour, and I'm sitting there, and I'm just having a good time on the tour. No, No plans whether I stayed in Savannah. It was a bucket list item. And one day, and it just came to me, you know what? Cartersville has so much history. It really deserves something like this. Two months later, I was in Cartersville putting my tour together there. Well, you're no from, you're no stranger to Cartersville because you're from there, right? I'm from Bartow County originally. Went to public schools there. Went away to college. Never really, as an adult, came back. I've lived in New York, um, in Manhattan. Um, I've lived in Connecticut. I've lived in um, in D.C. in Virginia. Worked for a California company for years. Went back and forth there. I, my whole careers have been in sales and marketing i was in telecommunications way back when people just started buying their phone systems and didn't have to get them from mall bill and got into voicemail then so it's always been in sales I've, this is my third venture personally for a, a business and my son started a business so we're kind of an entrepreneurial family uh we've started for uh total and they've all been successful it just doesn't mean you're going to stay with one forever i've had a nursery and a daycare I've had an event facility where we did parties and weddings, did that for a while, and uh, and been in real estate. So so sales is my background. I try to give a good tour there. Uh, my family lives all around Cartersville area. I have two grandsons, 
and I'm hoping to lead the business to them eventually. They're not old enough to drive yet, <laughs> but, but eventually, hopefully, they will, and they can take the business over. So you also share with me that you uh, you overcame cancer as well. I've had I've had stage four twice, and I've had it reoccur. I've had three occurrences of malignant melanoma, and I was never a sun worshiper. Really, I mean, in the South, you get a certain amount. And one day, about it's been almost uh, thirteen years ago now, I had a bump come up on the top of my head. It was just like a little mosquito bite, or it was just a little pink bump. I was already going to the dermatologist, and so he says, "Well, is there anything else today?" And I said, "Yeah, I got this little pink bump, but it doesn't." You know, my sister looked at it. She said it didn't look like anything. He looked at it. He said, eh, "It didn't look like anything." He said, "But I always do a biopsy." Came back malignant melanoma. He said, you've got to have surgery right away. I had surgery. Um, I wouldn't take any kind of liquid treatment. Thirteen years ago, there wasn't much. Um, and they did, they took part of my scalp out. And, I mean, it was pretty serious. It spread to my lymph nodes. And I just felt like I was – they just more or less didn't give me much hope. I sold my business. I gave all my good jewelry to my daughter-in-law. <laughs> she won't give it back. Oh, no. <laughs> But then um, I was okay. I just kind of, I thought, well, I'm not dying yet. I might as well live my life. Went on about I, about four, about for every four and a half years it comes back. Four and a half years later, a bump right on the scar where they took my scalp out before. When, and then by that time, I just said, well, this has got to be it. I just quit going to the doctor. <laughs> I'm just kind of stubborn that way. I ended up. Four years later, having tumors everywhere had spread all through my body. And um, I went to the doctor. My son went with me, and, and he offered this immunotherapy. And it was pretty new, you know, then. That's been four years ago. And I said, no, I don't think I'm going to take it. I've, I've really had some extra time. My son goes, Mom, God has kept you alive until technology has caught up with you. Now, you must take it. And you do things for your family, you know, that you wouldn't do. And I took it. And after the treatment, which put me in the hospital, almost killed me, after that, you know what? Every tumor was gone. And that's been four years ago. So um, I just appreciate every day. It makes you look at life differently when you have a brush with death. When you come close to death, you have a whole new perspective on life. And so I've just lived it, you know, really taking chances. Because I think we have to be gamblers in this life. You can't play it safe and reach your full potential. So it's made me not hold on to material things nearly as much. And try to help other people and just look, you know, look forward. We got only so many trips around the sun, you know. I feel and like we should be playing Kenny Rogers song right now. Yeah. <laughs> and you never know when those, when that last one's going to be there. So I just try to live my life differently and be a good person and treat people right. And it has changed my perspective totally. Well, we could stop with her right there because that's amazing. But I, I know you're not supposed to ask ladies this. So there's three of them in the room. So if you want to hit me, go ahead. <laughs> but if would you share your age? I'm about, well, and I'll tell you this, I'm going to make you guess. And in another year, not this year, but next year, I will have a birthday with a big zero in it. Mm. Okay. So anybody care to guess? I don't mind telling you. I'd rather look great for my age. 70. 20. No. 20. (laughs) You're so smart. He's my friend. (laughs) Not 70. 80. Yes, 80. No way. All right. So next year. The reason I asked her to do that and share that is because, I mean, like she says, she'll be 80 next year, but she started her own business, right? Oh, yeah. And it's, it's, it's never too old. You never mm-hmm. give up your dreams. No. Always follow your dreams and your heart, and I think you do have divine guidance. And if you feel like God is leading you to something, you better do it because he's going to get you there one way or the other. 
I want to be like you when I grow up. Yeah, <laughs> he'll get you there today or he'll get you there whenever, but he's going to get you there because we all have a plan for our lives. Yes. And we need to reach that potential and listen to our, you know, to the spirit that's leading us. Amen, yeah. sister. So mm-hmm. obviously it's in the name Old Carsville Tours, but let's talk about that a little bit. So okay. share how, what you guys do on a daily basis and what people can learn. Well, I have a, a regular, what I call a public tour, and now we're doing it on Fridays, 11 and 1 on Fridays. We go from uh, the easternmost point is the Tellus Mineral Museum all the way through the historic district, if you know anything about Cartersville. And then out on the west side, we go to the Etowah Indian Mounds. It is an, uh, an hour overview uh, I, I talk about all these places. We don't stop and let people off. I have uh, I have a touring bus now, one, and I'm adding to my fleet, hopefully another one by the end of the year. I want to have five in the fleet totally because I'm starting to do some personal things, some like uh, charters now with weddings and just took a party, you know, Jay Frazier mm-hmm. and his uh, down to uh, Atlanta for dinner. And, uh, of course, proms, wedding, receptions, and all that. So we are available for charter as well as a public tour. I I really came up to do the historic tours, um, and we don't have nearly as many visitors, of course, in Cartersville as we do in Savannah. However, everybody that I've taken on the tour that's from Cartersville, the the Chamber, the Visitors Bureau, they all say they learned something that they didn't know. Because I really do a lot of research and study and try to give a a, a rich tour, and I want people to think that they've got their money's worth and that they know something about Cartersville that they didn't didn't know. There's so much history there. Mining history is incredible there. Um, Civil War history, black history. I mean, the old homes, some of them survived the Civil War. It's just a tremendous amount of history there. I want to get into doing more specific tours. I've talked with uh, David Archer, who's a historian in town, and he, he agreed to be a tour on, on the bus, what he does. And then I've been trying to get to Judge Benham. Uh, I know he's not in great health, but he would do a wonderful black history tour. And so I, I wanted to start doing more specific tours like that and get people in. So share something that somebody may not know about Cartersville. Well, of course, everybody can look up when it was founded in 1850. Uh, and uh, it was uh, the... People, the Indian Mounds, people think they associate with the Cherokee, and it was the Cherokee Nation last, but the Cherokee didn't build the mounds. The mounds date back to 1,000 to 1,500 A.D., and one of the interesting things I found out about the Cherokee uh, tribe, every, um, every North American Indian tribe has the same blood type. Mm. No matter what, no matter, you know, if it's Apache, if it's Cherokee, everyone has the same blood type. Every one of them has O, uh, blood type. And the A and the B and the AB didn't come in until the Europeans started coming in. But all the, all the, all of them have the same blood type. Uh, there was originally, um, uh, thousands. Now there's 380,000 Cherokee survive. It's the largest surviving tribe. Uh, also, um, there was a love story going on there. Uh, William Sherman, uh, General Sherman was the head of the Union troops. They had a bloody battle in Chattanooga, marched right down through, uh, Bartow County and rested in Kingston, a little town between Cartersville and Rome. He received his orders there to burn his way to the sea. They burned down most of Bartow County, went from Bartow County, burned Macon, headed to Savannah. Savannah people knew that, burned Atlanta, as you know, to the ground. And they didn't want their city burned because there was all these wonderful old homes there. So they went outside of town and they gave him the city. That's why Savannah's historic. And they didn't burn Charleston mm. and because they heard he was coming. Mm. Um, let's see if there's anything else interesting. Well, you know, Cardinal's very haunted. 
And I'm working with the Plump House players now to put a haunted ghost tour together for October. We're going to be doing them in October. Uh, the depot there is one of the most haunted places. Um, one of the ladies that worked there for years said they had this huge desk in there. And somebody had bought it prior to her. She said it must have weighed 500 pounds. There was no way even two or three men could have moved it. And she said occasionally they would go in and that desk would be moved. Nobody was in there. And then she actually saw... I guess you'd say a ghost or an image one day. It was a young man. She said he was dressed like an Amish person. And he says, can we go in there? And she said, yes. Well, she got ready to lock up, and she looked around, and she couldn't find him anywhere. And she said she walked outside, and it was already like 6 o'clock in the evening. And the sun had gone down on the other side of the depot. And she said when she walked out the door, this enormous light just hit her right in the face. And she never saw the guy again. So there's a lot of ghost stories in Cartersville. Oh, hopefully they... Casper's on one of those stories. <laughs> That's right. So uh, Sharon might be interested in this. You should talk about what you're doing with the wine tours. Yeah, I'm doing wine tours now. Uh, <laughs> three wineries. <laughs> yeah. I do like wine, but I didn't yeah, know the... I was known for that. All right, uh, go ahead. <laughs> August 19th, it's all sold out already. I have one on August 26th, and I'm, I'm billing that one as the, as the Bad Mom's Wine Tour. <laughs> There you go, Sharon. Well, all right, perfect. You did that just for me. Okay, you know, Sharon. mothers have been in, you know, all summer, kind of closed up with their children. So we're doing a bad mom's wine tour. We do uh, the a big door in Canton, and then up to Ball Ground to Feathers Edge, and then over to, to uh, Jasper to Sharps Mountain Vineyard. And, oh, it's going to be such fun. I have souvenir mugs and we're going to wear tiaras and boys around our neck and play games on the bus and so that's the next one that's available is a 26 but i'll have at least two a month uh and that's beginning to really take off now people are into that i expect the a lot of pictures from that one. Oh yeah <laughs> before we do the three okay what stays on the bus stays on the bus yes, <laughs> but yes. I'm, not, I'm not sure we'll do photographs after we've done all three <laughs> So you've started networking specifically the Carswell Business Club. Love that club. Great so, club. So uh, share a little bit. I mean, like you said, you've only two months into this. Mm-hmm. But uh, share a little bit about what positive has happened to you in the two months of the networking. Well, you get to know the other other gamblers and risk takers in the area because everybody, you know, many of them have started their own business. And, you know, when you start your own business, you step out on faith. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all do when you start a business. You don't know what's going to happen. You have you have faith that it's going to take off, but you really have to, t- you have to take a chance. You know, you just, you don't, you don't have any guarantees. And I tell people, you know, sometimes people are working for companies and they think, man, I'd like to do this on my own or I have an idea for something. Um, I mean, do it, you know, just uh, going into my son was in the, well, he was, he was one of these kids that I paid for tuition and he wouldn't go to college. <laughs> well, he'd go part time, you know. And so he wasn't real serious about it. I paid enough tuition for him to be a Philadelphia lawyer now, but he's not. Uh, so uh, he was getting uh, DUIs and he was just going nowhere with his life. And so I, I, I knew I had to take a hard line with him. And I told him, I said, when this semester's over, your clothes will be out on the sidewalk. And everything you own will be, Mom, what am I supposed to do? I said, you know, I don't care because I've tried everything. I'm not going to see you at 25 years old, 26 years old, and you're, you're going to look back and say, why didn't you make me do something? I said, I'm making you do it now. And so he, he had already lost his license. So he called a friend, and he didn't have any place to go, and he went to the recruiting offices. 
And one of my cousins was a Marine. And he said, oh, you want to go in the Marines. They're the best. Well, he ended up joining the Marines. And uh, he was um, actually in Desert Storm. He joined the Marines, and it made a man out of him. I'm telling you, I'm all for draft. Because <laughs> a lot of these kids get out of high school. They don't know what they want to do. And it made a man out of him. He got out. He went to um, school. He was a news cameraman for Channel 2 in Atlanta for a while. And then he's and then he was said, you know what, Mom, I don't want to work for somebody else the rest of my life. I want to do something. Well, what do you want to do? Well, um, he is a uh, father's side of the family had some old scrubby land out in Mississippi. wasn't worth anything in the middle of nowhere, but you know what? It had a wonderful natural spring on it. He did his studies. He did his work for about two years. He he started a water bottling company. <laughs> He capped wow. that spring. He got his, his got his barcode. He went to the state. He got it approved. They had the osmosis machine. He had the bottling equipment and he worked out there for really a couple of years to get it started and really built up his distributorship. And after that, they decided they wanted to start a family. He married during that time and uh, they wanted to come back to the Atlanta area. She worked for Equifax. So they had to come back to the Atlanta area. He ended up selling it and he retired at 38. Wow. Because he, you know, he, he really stepped out and, and realized his dream. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, we've started four companies together. So um, I just tell people, follow your dreams. They say if you follow what you love and you follow your dreams, mm-hmm. the money will come. Don't follow the money, you know, because you might be miserable. Mm-hmm. We've all known people that went in to be a doctor or I knew people that went to be a teacher. First day they got in the classroom, they hated it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, follow your dreams. If you don't love it, don't do it. Well, I don't have to ask my next question, which was give an advice for somebody who wants to start a job business because you just did it. Absolutely. So, um, all right. So why, other than the fact that you're from Carterville and Bartow County originally and you and you like doing this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. why is it important for you to be part of the community? Well, I think because we, if you're part of the community, like you see people even the business club, and then when they get up and tell what they do, you can more align with them. And, you know, be a supporter of what, what they're trying to do. I mean, I always want to support the nonprofits, the people who work with children and families and, and babies. You always want to support that. And I said when I got into that, 10% of my profits will always go toward charity. And I'm not making much money yet because I just started. But 10% of my profits will always go toward uh, charities. Well, you've been supporting the last couple of months for the trivia, so I appreciate mm-hmm. you coming out and doing that. Well, thank you. And you like having fun, obviously. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you get good food and have fun. We'll get Sharon out to serve you one of these nights. Heck, yeah. Um, well, I mean, you actually have a lot of, like, really hard questions that you ask in the trivia, so I'm a little nervous about that. That's I why you play with that. the team. Oh. Listen to the music. See, she just, she caught on. <laughs> he gives you he gives you clues when he's playing a song. That's all, all That's, the way we got anything. There you right? go. There you go. She just gave away my secret. There you the, go. Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you. I love you so much. Yes. All right, Joan, thanks for sharing a little bit of your story. We're going to move over now to uh, Tammy Casperson. I said it right, right? You did. Awesome. There you go. Twice great, in one day. Great job. So uh, I think financial, correct? Yes, sir. So uh, we'll get to that in just a second. But you, to me, are right now a story of perseverance because you currently are battling cancer. Correct. So if you don't mind, just share a little bit of your story. Sure. Um, not something that I ever thought I would see myself walking through. Um, my mom went through, um, breast cancer. My younger sister went through breast cancer. So my breast specialist said to me, um, Tammy, it skipped over you. Well, obviously she was gravely wrong. So, um, 2020, we all know what happened in 2020, uh, the pandemic and it was March of 2020. And I was like, Hmm, 
something doesn't feel quite right. I couldn't get in to see my primary care physician, couldn't get a mammogram, couldn't see anybody, couldn't see my oncologist, couldn't see my breast specialist. So um, I honest to goodness believe God gave me a backache. So I was like, oh my gosh, what is this? I've got to get to urgent care. Well, urgent care was open by appointment. So I went in March of 2020, and um, I, was, I was like, oh, my back is hurting. I think it could be this. I think it could be that. And she's like, oh, you know, she checked me all out. And I said, oh, well, while I'm here, can you check something else? And she said, sure. And she was like, oh, yes, ma'am. I'm getting you a mammogram, emerg- you know, an emergency mammogram. So we went and did that. And um, my doctor called me in. I had four girlfriends out in the hallway. And he said, um, and I love my doctor. He's a wonderful man, my primary care physician, Dr. El Tar- or, uh, Dr. El Tarway. I'll give you a shout out. He literally held my hand and cried. Wow. And said, it's stage four breast cancer, and we need to start treatment ASAP. So I was like, okay. I didn't shed a tear. Um, my girlfriends took me out for Mexican and a margarita. Said, do you need a margarita? I was like, I don't know how long it's been since I've had a margarita, but I'll have one. <laughs> so um, he suggested uh, one of the best oncologists in Cherokee County, um, which were remain nameless. I went there. My sister came down from North Carolina, and um, it was the first chemo treatment. It was eight hours. They we were in an open bull room, so you could see everybody and everybody's business. Um, there was a chair next to me that was very comfortable, but they my sister sat on a metal chair for eight hours. Mm. Then I chatted with my oncologist, and I was like, so, you know, just moving forward. I mean, I said from the beginning, Jesus, this is going to be you and me and whoever else decides to join this journey. And um, I had peace from the very, very beginning. And um, so I went to meet with my oncologist after the first treatment, and I said, you know, looking forward. And she literally put her hand on my face and said, we're not there yet. And I said, you're fired. Wow. So um, it just so happened that this is such a crazy story. My best friend, I have two best friends that don't know each other, but they know one person that has a really good friend. And she had walked through breast cancer twice. They're like, you've got to go meet. I call her my little angel. Her name is Heather. And so they said, you've got to meet Heather. She was preparing for family to come in for a funeral and dropped what she was doing to come meet with me. Wow. And she's like, we got to get you to Cancer Treatment Centers of America in Noonan, Georgia. Now, since it's become City of Hope. So we got to get you down there. Literally the next day. Now, you got to remember, this is COVID. I didn't get a tour of the facility. She told me where to go, who to see, how to register, what hotel to stay in. And um, I have not looked back. So my first chemo treatment was uh, two days before my birthday in May, May of 2020. Um, at the other location that I fired. And then my second one was three weeks later at, down in Noonan in June. So I can't say enough about City of Hope, formerly Cancer Treatment Centers of America. Everything is under one umbrella. Your oncologist radiologist is there. Your radiologist is there. Um, your oncologist is there. Your um, pastoral care, your naturopath, your nutritionist, your chiropractor, everything is under one roof. Mm. So while I'm there, I get in about 36 to. 3,600 steps just in one day going to doctor's appointments. So, of course, I lost all my hair. The hair you see on my head today is my real hair, which I'm very thankful to have hair and eyelashes. Um, so I go down every three weeks. Um, I go down on Sunday night. I have a scholarship so I can stay at a lovely hotel for $22.50. I just go down on Sunday night so I can relax, get a good night's sleep, have a great dinner. 
I have amazing girlfriends that go with me. We spend the night, and then the next day starts with having your port accessed, having your blood taken, and then off to all your appointments and your infusion. So I, I know that perseverance, positive attitude, my doctors, not only the medication, the nutritional supplements, and overall, my Lord and Savior is the reason why I'm still standing and can do what I do. Because most people with my diagnosis goes on long-term disability, and I work full-time serving our community through the I Think Financial Credit Union. So I am very thankful for my company who supports me. I'm very thankful for my friends. And I will tell you that if anyone's walking that journey, it's not going to be your closest friends that are going to stick by your side because they can't. They, they will love you. It will be people who come out of the woodwork that will stick by your side and be there for you. And that was the best advice someone gave me, and I will continue because it's they love you so much. And so don't ever be offended if your best, best, best friends don't show up because they're there just in the background. And I have one young lady that's become my dearest friend. I did not think I would cry. Brian? <laughs> that's right. This is what this show does. I love this. Not, I mean, but go ahead. And I cannot tell you how many times that sweet girl has taken me to CTCA in three years. And she expects nothing in return. So a shout out for Kellen. I love you, sweet girl. And matter of fact, we leave Sunday night, treatment's Monday, and I'll go to work on Tuesday. So um, God is good. Everything in my life is stable. And, uh, and as you well know, on this journey, stable is a win. We all want no evidence of disease, but we will take stable. As long as you're stable, you're golden. See, that's why I like this show. Actually, I love this show. Right? Oh, you love it? Yeah. I, I mean, can see why. And know, Brian, you don't have any Kleenexes in this room? I was just, well, I'll be right back. Hang on. All right. So we'll blame Stone for that. He's not here. It's all good. It's all good. So I also like the fact you didn't have, you read my mind because I was going to ask you to give some advice who might, somebody might be listening to going through and you already did it. So both of y'all are mind readers. You, you have to read my mind too, by the way. Um, so let's just talk a little bit more about um, the persevering part because a lot of people uh, I think get to the point that you are at and just give up. Oh, you can't. And, and here's the thing. Um, I have too much work to do. I go to work. The credit union gives me my paycheck, but I go to work every day for the Lord. Every day he gives me the opportunity to pray for somebody. Every three weeks that I go to Cancer Treatment Centers of America, now City of Hope, God points out somebody specifically for me to pray for. Because, Brian, the, the sad part is when someone is handed a diagnosis, as you mentioned earlier, Joan, that it is not a death sentence. Stage four is no longer a death sentence. I have people in, in my circle um, that have had stage four breast cancer 15 years, 20 years, 25 years. It's all about your attitude. It's all about doing what your doctors say, and it's also researching for your own, working with your nutritional supplement, your naturopath, but also researching some holistic modalities, and I do a lot of holistic things. Um, unfortunately, those cost a lot of money, and those come out of your pocket, um, but you have to 
stay focused, know your purpose, know what drives you. And not only does the I Think Financial Credit Union drive me because of all the community events that we're able to do, and a lot of them are my passion, but my son is 22 years old, and he serves in the U.S. Army. He's stationed over at Fort Campbell, Kentucky with the 160th Airborne Special Forces. He's a drone pilot and doing amazing. I have a 20-year-old daughter who is down at um, Statesboro at Georgia Southern studying kinesiology. She was studying nursing, switched to kinesiology. It was like, Mom, you know, being in some of the holistic situations, she could see herself doing some of those, working in like a holistic facility. Um, So you just don't know the trajectory of your own journey and how that can affect, affect your children's journey your family's journey, your friend's journey, people you come in contact with. When I'm sitting down talking to somebody about their finances, it gets very intimate because you might find out that, you know, they've had a very sick child or a sick wife or a sick husband, or there's been a divorce or a death. And you have to get down to the nitty gritty of, of why, how have you gotten into this financial debacle? And all the stories aren't just because they like to shop. Um, So it gets very intimate and I'm kind of an open book. So when they're telling me their story, I'm able to tell my story and makes them feel a little bit more comfortable on sharing with me so we can get to the root of what they need. And um, that's how we look at it at the I Think Financial Credit Union. We can talk about car loans and home equity loans of credit and our great rates on our checking account. And But what do you need? How can I help you? If I just throw a plethora of products at you, you're probably going to go somewhere else. But if I take the time to sit down with you and listen to your story, I'm going to know how we can help you. Um, whether, whether I'm at CTCA or at the credit union, sometimes people will break down and cry over their story. And, you know, I'll say, I'm, I'm going to pray for you. And I think people are so used to hearing people say, I'm going to pray for you. That means you're going to do it later. And I reach over and I'll go, I'm going to pray for you right now. And they go, oh, right now here where we are in the cafeteria in my office, if that's okay, because you know what? We all are human beings. I can make a note two days later. I'm going, oh, shoot, I should have prayed for Brian. I should have done it right then and there. So um, I go to work every day for the Lord. Well, uh, there's two things that I want to touch on that you shared. We'll get to I think here in a minute. But sure. um, what you just said about praying, we were at a, a networking group in Emerson um, last week. And uh, Becky Hart, who'll be on the show and not too long when her husband was there, uh, and somebody had asked for prayer, and he stopped the networking group and said, "Look, when somebody asks for prayer, you do it now." I like how you mentioned that because exactly, it's it's. I mean, I'm I'm guilty of this saying, you know, I'm going to pray for you, and then uh-huh. it's later. Yes, and sometimes you forget. You mm-hmm. have all well intentions to, but mm-hmm. I, I like that. The other thing I like that what you shared about is. How your closest friends, they don't know what to say, they don't know what to do, but you got people coming out of the woodwork. Yes. Uh, I network with a young lady who's going through a very hard time at the moment, and um, she's got a passion just like everybody that's sitting in this room about helping others. And, you know, it's it's to me it's not much, but for her it was much. And I was just texting her seeing how she was doing. I was trying to connect with people because she's looking for a new job and all this other kind of stuff. And it's just amazing to see. I mean, you see it every week at CBC. It's, it is a community. It's not mm-hmm. just networking. Um, and I love the fact that you can, you know, it all becomes as Bob Brooks likes to say, the family, you know, friends and family. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. um, anyway, I just, I just love the, those two things you just shared because 
you don't think about those things. Mm-mm. Did you want you wanted to add something? I did want to add something. Um, we have overcome. You've, you've heard our stories. We are not superhuman people. No. And people who might be listening to us going through something, they're like, well, yeah, but you know, they've got something I don't have. You don't know what you have until your back is up against the wall. You don't know how strong you can be. And trust me, I've had pity parties. I mean, you know, when you first hear diagnosis, you're not like, well, I can overcome this. You're like, why me? I mean, you you do question it. So having a pity party is okay. Just don't invite too many people. That's right. And don't have too long a party. But it is true. I mean, it is something that shakes you to your core. And so people that might be feeling that right now, you can't overcome it. You can just dig down deeper than you ever thought, but you got to have faith. You got mm-hmm. to have. You got to know there's a God and that He's taking care of you. That, that's sometimes the only way you can get through. Yep. Mm-hmm. And when and when your friends and when your friends and family reach out to you, um, you know they the one thing they might be able to do is make you a meal, even if you don't like what they're making, even if you don't think you need a meal. Humble yourself. It's pride. Humble yourself and say, "Thank you, Brian, for bringing that meal." That might be the only thing they can do. Maybe they can go grocery shopping for you. Maybe your friends in the beginning can take you to every single appointment because it's not real yet. But when you sit down in that chair and your port's accessed and you start getting infused with the medicine, that's when it becomes really real. You know, when you walk through the halls of City of Hope and it's just a patient and a caregiver, that becomes very real. So it takes a special person to be able to go with you and walk into that situation because I'm going to be real honest, I was talking to my naturopath the other day, and the nutritional supplements are imperative. And I said to him, I said, Dr. Kilman, I could walk down the halls of City of Hope, and I can point out people that haven't met with you yet. He goes, you think you can? I said, I know I can. Because if they've met with you, and they believe they can be well, they would look more like me. But what happens is, there are some people that don't want to be well. And you know why? Because you get lots of attention and you get petted. And how are you? How are you feeling? Okay, you know what? I like attention. I don't want that kind of attention. I want to be the one on the other side where I can walk and give you hope. Give you hope and encourage you and say, if you want to be well, you can be well. However long well looks like on your journey. Because every journey is different. Man, this is good stuff. Are you mm-hmm. taking notes? I see. Uh, yeah, I got my phone out. <laughs> typing, typing here and there, yeah. Talk about the humbling part. I have a good, very good friend, and he's a former business partner, but still a very good friend. He lost his mother this past Friday, and every mm. time he and I go out to lunch, he's always paying. And then, So I returned the favor yesterday, and he was about ready to pay, and I was like, no, I told you I'm taking you to lunch. Um, and it's just something that I could do because we were able to talk, and he was able to to unload some things that he hasn't been able to unload since his mom died. So, yes. Um, uh, again, some great advice. So, all right, let's talk about some. I think. Okay, let's talk about the I think Financial Credit Union. Well, funny thing, um, I've been with the credit union for eighteen years. Out of the fifty four years they've been in business, so we started out as the IBM Credit Union, as an IBM International Business Machines. So we started out in Boca Raton, Florida, just for the IBMers. And then we decided to start branching out into other um, technical companies. And then we brought in other companies and city and government principalities. And basically, we go out into the community and offer credit union membership benefits in your fringe benefit package. So those employees can have that. Then we branched off from that aspect to going into the community. So 18 months before 2020 hit, we had decided it was time to rebrand. We were spending more time talking about what 
who IBM is or, you know, because they're still around and people don't even realize that IBM is still around and, you know, who they were and how we were affiliated. And we're like, oh, my gosh, we're spending so much time out in the community telling them who IBM is. So it became apparent that it was time to rebrand. So we pulled our members and said, you know, what do you think our name should be? And so it came back, I think. And we were like, why I think? And they said, because you make us think about our finances. Well, we started diving into the name I think and realized that IBM has a think campaign for their sales team to think outside the box for their customers. So it's just kind of like a little nod back to them as well. So we became the I Think Financial Credit Union. We were going to do this big kickoff and promotion March of 2020. So um, we're still catching up with getting our name out there, you know, that we are still the same credit union. Um, We still have the same core values. We're still here about the community. We're still here about, um, you know, helping people. So um, 18 years ago, I was working for a company climbing the corporate ladder. My children were two and five. As I mentioned now, 20 and 22. And I was traveling five states. I had 20 account managers underneath me. And I was climbing that corporate ladder to the next position. And a girl in my Bible study was like, just come interview with my credit union. And I was like, what is a credit union? I didn't even know what a credit union was. And I was like, she kept bugging me. I was like, fine, I'll interview with your credit union. So I went to go to the interview. And I was like, okay, this was interesting. They called me back, said, come in, take one of those personality tests, you know, and And um, so I went in and took one of the personality tests. Can I tell you I have test anxiety? I hate tests. You know, I can do my homework, but I I get nervous about tests. So there was a couple of silly questions on there. And I went to the branch manager and I handed her my paperwork because I took every single minute I could have because it was timed. And they ask you these silly questions. And I looked at her and I said, Beth, if this has anything to do with me being hired, it was nice to meet you. <laughs> I doubt that you'll be asking me back. Next thing I knew, I was getting a uh, call from HR. Uh, the VP wanted to interview me over the phone. And then they were sending someone from HR to interview me in person. And he actually brought the paperwork. So I'm sitting down thinking I'm having another interview. He's like, oh, no, no, you're hired. We, we brought the paperwork. I had not even told my past my employer yet that I was even looking, let alone leaving. So here we are. 18 years later, um, I've seen lots of changes with the, I think, Financial Credit Union, which is all, all, all good stuff. And since we have gone community, um, I am now the um, community, the manager of community development, I guess you could say. So we go out into the community, and there's so many things that I want to let you know that we're doing, and it's, it's a plethora of information. So our branches, Brian, go all the way up to Pickens County and Jasper. If you come down through Jasper, you're going to go over to Roswell Alpharetta. And then come on into Marietta, Georgia. And then, oh, I skipped over um, Windy Hill and Powers Ferry. And then come on into Kennesaw. So we've got three branches in Cobb County. And then you're going to go on down to the south side of town over by South Lake Mall in Morrow, Georgia on Mount Zion Road. And then downtown in the hub of Atlanta um, in the Sam Nunn Federal Building, we have a branch inside the Sam Nunn Building to take care of the federal employees. And then all the way down to the South Lake Mall. So we have a, a big footprint. And then we're also um, you know, serving all communities within where we are, where our branches are located. And then we're branching out, too, because of you. You know, we're now branching out into Cartersville and up in Jasper. We're branching up into Gilmer County. So um, things are moving quickly. Um, just to give you a couple little things um, that are just near and dear to my heart, I have a 
precious friend, Tracy uh, Shemaliki at church, and she started Children Without Beds. And um, we take basically Sunday school to underprivileged children on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. And um, it's Sunday school on steroids. Lots of great music. They get snacks. They ha- um, they win door prizes. And if their families show up, they get a food box. And um, you would be amazed. You might have an eight-year-old little girl or a six-year-old little girl bringing a two- and three-year-old because she's taking care of, the, of her siblings. Mm. So... Um, Tracy's story is she was at, I'm going to summarize for her. I'm probably not going to do as good a job as she did, but she was delivering furniture to one of the sites of a family that had to move in because I think their house had burned down. And two of the little girls from the street reach program came up to her and said, Oh, Miss Tracy, um, do you have beds for us? And she was like, well, no, honey, these are beds for the family that they, they lost everything. And they said, we don't have beds. And Tracy as an adult was like, what do you, what do you mean you don't have beds? No, no, no. We come, 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 come see our house or our apartment. We don't have beds. And Tracy walked in and saw that the whole entire family was sleeping on the floor. And from that day, children without beds was created. So I need to bring her on the show. You need to bring Tracy on the show. You would love her. And um, so from there, um, up in Jasper, um, fell in love with one of the coordinators at um, Highland Rivers Men's Recovery. There's about 20 men. They have, I think, 22 beds. And they take men in that um, are needing to go through a recovery program and found out that they were sleeping on teeny tiny little mattresses. And I was just talking to the the group and they said, you know, really, you know, once the men phase up, they can go back and start working and find a job. But but then they come back to the facility. And um, I, so I went in and I was like, well, what's one of your wish lists? And she said, oh, my gosh, we need new mattresses so bad. And I was like, okay, made a mental, mental note, went in and did a budgeting seminar because we're all about education, teaching people about budgeting. We all think we know about budgeting and we teach them how, you know, understanding what their credit score really means and teaching them how to not be a victim of identity theft and fraud. And um, so I asked the guys, I said, what's, what's, what's your, what are your needs here, guys? And um, they all got really quiet. And I said, seriously, what, what is your dream list? And so a couple of them raised their hand and one guy was like, guys, she's asking us, what's our wish list? I said, we need new mattresses. Is that too much to ask? I said, no, this is, you're dreaming. Another guy said, you know, we don't have access to our phones or computers or TV. And the only guitar that we have is on its last leg. And we have a couple guys that can play the guitar. Our grill has died. And the one guy, he was the sweetest man ever. And he turned around and looked at me and he said, Miss Tammy, we need holy Bibles. And he just remembered sitting in his grandma's house. He just remembered, you know, her Bible said holy Bible. And I thought that was the sweetest thing. And I said, okay, reached out to Tracy. We got those men 20 brand new mattresses. I had a church donate holy Bibles to them. Uh, And the church came around, bought them, not a used guitar, bought them a brand new guitar. And um, the uh, Home Depot up in Jasper donated a grill for them. So, you know, it's, it's, it's the, I think financial credit union is me listening to the stories and then me gathering the community to come around and support these people. Some of the people in the community didn't even know that Highland Rivers men's facility was there. That led me to the women's facility, um, which is a disclosed um, place in Marietta. And these women can bring up to three children with them when they're going through drug and alcohol rehab. And the same thing, when they phase up, I go in and talk to them about budgeting and getting a credit card or getting a checking account and explaining to them how to 
work that credit card and not have the credit card work them and how to use a checking account smartly and um, found out that these ladies and their children need beds. So you're talking about twin beds. um, You're talking about um, mattresses for bunk beds. You're talking about little beds for cribs. And with Tracy's help with children without beds, we provided 80 beds for that facility and we delivered them and set them up in one day. That took a lot of work. So um, passionate about children not sleeping on the floor, obviously. And I'm passionate about men and women that are in recovery that, that good, need a good night's sleep. And um, the nurse up at the men's facility said that night the men were sleeping so well the next morning she went in and had to wake them up. And um, one guy, she had all of the 20 men write us these wonderful letters. And the one man said he had just gotten out of jail and um, he said, man, I, I came to the rehab center and I laid my head down and he was, I woke up in the middle of the night thinking I was having a nightmare. The bed reminded him of jail. Wow. He goes, and then the next day you all showed up with the new beds. So children without beds is doing a lot of good work with us. Um, we also support Reinhardt university. They have a two runs a year. One of the um, strolls is for children in Pickens County. Well, I should say, teenagers in Pickens County that need a scholarship. Um, that's what that money goes for. The other run that's in Canton goes for Cherokee County students um, that are wanting to go to Reinhardt University. Um, so that the Rotary in Jasper does a, a plethora of wonderful, wonderful things. Um, we work with also Pickens County Family Connections. It's called Walk a Mile in Their Shoes. And this is children that really um, can't even afford new shoes to go to school. And so we have shoes donated. The money that we raise goes to help pay for shoes for the children. Um, we also have a, it's funny, we have a golf tournament in Jasper, which is called the Snowball Golf Tournament. It's put on by the chamber, and that um, supports the children in leadership in the high school. And we call it the Snowball because in March you can have snow in Jasper. Right. And it has snowed in Jasper before. Um, and then, of course, um, in Marietta, we work with, or I should say Cobb County, um, we work with the PAL Club, and we do their 5K every year, and we support the PAL Club on other initiatives as well. The first year we did the PAL Club, um, it, it helped pay for a boxing ring for nice. these young men and women that were interested in boxing. So these are kids that um, are underprivileged that might not be able to afford summer camp or might not be able to afford to go to a boxing program or a tennis program. The PAL Club, which stands for the Police Athletic League, helps these kids get that summer experience and find out what their passion is. So we're we're very passionate about the helping with the um, PAL Club. And in Marietta, real close to our branch on Roswell um, Road, we have the most precious little church. It's called Providence Baptist Church. And y'all, this congregation is tiny, and I'm going to say the average age. Sister Mason, forgive me if I say this wrong, and pastor, but I'm going to say the average age is 68-ish. Okay, we'll say 65. And 20% of the 65-year-olds are doing the work. They feed the homeless. They clothe the homeless. They have a laundry facility. They have a shower facility, and this is all free. So we partner with them in clothing and feeding the homeless. We partner in their back-to-school bash. Um, But to see this teeny, tiny little congregation doing such good work in the city of Marietta and and serving the homeless, and they go out and they feed the homeless. I think it's about once a month, and they also have a food pantry. That is 
unbelievably amazing to me that these people take their time to take care of the less fortunate. And some of the stories they will tell you is just amazing. Um, then when we go over to, um, and at the credit union, we have our own foundation. So our foundation through the credit union, where our members can contribute money to the foundation, I can contribute as an employee to the foundation. If you're just looking for a place to give money, you can give to our foundation. And what our foundation does is they do, we call it Jingle Bell at the Branches. And we go around to the Head Start schools that are within a certain mile radius of our branches. And those Head Start schools that we contact are the ones that are, those children are receiving free Head Start because those children are in need. And we provide a little holiday party with them. Some of the schools are allowed to have Santa. Some of them are not allowed to have um, Santa come. They get their picture taken. They get a little party. And they, Brian, they get three wrapped gifts to open um, during their holiday, whatever holiday is that they celebrate. And these are three wrapped gifts, not from the dollar store. These are three wrapped gifts that our members have donated. And then I have a team that we go out and we personally do the shopping. And this is Walmart, Target, Kohl's. They're getting really nice gifts at the holidays. And then when school hits, we do the same thing for those Head Start children. We have our own school-ready days. And we go into those Head Start schools, and they get an adorable backpack, stuff full of school supplies. The children get to come in and have their own shopping experience, so they pick out their own backpack. They take out their own pencil pouch. They go over, they get a $35 gift card, Visa gift card, to go spend however they might need. We provide snacks for them. Usually we get somebody to donate toothbrushes and toothpaste. Sometimes we get a, a local salon. They'll do free haircuts for the kids. So our foundation in itself does a lot for the children in our area as well. A um, couple other little things that I wanted to mention that um, we do, and I know my credit union is like, okay, what's Tammy up to now? <laughs> what is she getting involved in now? And why are we doing this? Um, in the greater uh, greater Fulton greater North Fulton area, I guess I should say, is we have partnered with a um, organization and they have um, a couple different runs throughout the year and they have the alien run, running of the leprechauns and running of the turkeys. And that supports the friends of the Roswell police and it supports getting people off the street for human trafficking. That's huge for us. Um, And it's interesting because every one of our branches has a passion And we take that passion from the branch manager to the people in the room, like whatever our stories are, listening to our employees' stories and find out what are they already doing in the community. And we can partner with them because we have the funds to do that. And then, like you said, live your passion. If you're living out your passion, you're never going to work a day in your life. So you can go to the credit union and go to work, but then you know that your credit union, I think financial credit union is going to support you in whatever your passion is, whether it's helping people get out of sex trafficking, giving back to the police department to do what they can do, providing beds for men and women in drug and alcohol rehab. That is huge for us. So we try to partner with other organizations like the Rotary, like Ackworth Business Association, Kennesaw Business Association, Kiwanis, the Marietta Business Association, all of the chambers that we're involved in. We try to partner with them to see, you know, what are they already doing? Because we don't want to have to reinvent the wheel. And now um, be shareable pursuits and resources. Exactly. Exact, <laughs> exactly. And we appreciate you as well. 
So we also do some things with Must Ministries. We've done some fun things with them. Um, and the extension in Marietta, we're going to start doing more things with them. And um, the extension, um, we're just getting ready to, I've reached out to them about um, a need for beds. They've had a flood. So we're going to talk to them about um, beds. We're working with Habitat for Humanity and um, providing a home. Um, and these people are going to walk into a house and it's going to be fully furnished. And they have no idea. Um, on the south side of town, we worked with another facility, uh, another group, and it's all women contractors. And they pick a woman in need, and it's all women that go work on the house. I thought that was really cool. That's awesome. Yes. I, there's a lot of people I want to get on the show, so you got to connect me with some of those folks so we can get them on the show. I'll help you. Uh, that's what I like doing, connecting yes. people, getting the word out about not only what we're doing in the community, but what other people are doing in the community and it just becomes your passion. And when you have a great passion, life is good. Yep. So you came and was a part uh, two weeks ago, almost yes. a week and a half ago, of the All In, All Out Ministries that Jordan was in. We'll talk about the him in just a second. Amazing. And Sharon came. And for those of you who don't know who haven't listened, All In, All Out Ministries is one of those. He's trying to get to facility to help men in recovery and from addiction and everything. And uh, I don't think I've talked to you or Jordan since we did it, but uh, we raised $10,300 for that. <gasps> organization fantastic so thank you for being a part of that absolutely. so absolutely you know you're doing something right we made him cry four times that night and i made him cry the other day before after when i called and told him the total so oh my gosh so. um you were talking about being intentional about mm-hmm. praying um in the jonesboro area we're involved in the jonesboro um ministries and it's called prayer and clean event and they go in certain areas of the neighborhoods and they clean up they're literally picking up trash and when they get to the end of the street they pray for that community That's and they awesome. go over another block and they clean and they pray and they see the people are like, who are these people coming into our community cleaning up? You know, like it's not like they couldn't have walked out and cleaned themselves, but they have an organization that um, clean and prayer walk. I thought that was really, That's awesome. really cool. So something else you guys do that I don't think you touched on, but if somebody signs up, they get a, you can give a portion back to a nonprofit, yes. right? Yes. So what we have right now is um, anyone that's interested or looking for another financial institution, um, the, I think Financial Credit Union is a, place, place, a great place to do your banking. I'm an employee. I do my banking there. My kids are both members of the credit union. You can join for free. We'll make a $5 deposit for you so you don't have to make a deposit. Our referral program is if you refer family members, friends, your kiddos, your coworkers, you're going to get $50 per person. Every month, um, it's been $50 for a while, but every so often our CEO will jump in there and maybe bump that up a smidgen. So you can keep that money, or if you'd like to donate that back to your favorite charity, we can make that happen. So my goal is as we go out and we continue to do more events, that whether it's a golf tournament event for a charity, um, like I said, we do lots of charitable golf tournaments with like Georgia Mountain Hospice, um, trying to get those golfers to see, yes, you've paid your money to golf, but by joining the credit union, we're going to have something that can fit your need. You refer your child or your spouse or a coworker, you can opt to give that $50 back to that organization that day. So we would present them a big check at the end of the day, whether it's $500 or $5,000. I'd like us to see, you know, I'd like to see that really get kicked off and get that promoted and let them understand the significance of that. It's free money people are leaving on the table. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I've got three events coming up that we're going to talk about you guys being involved in. So Perfect. Um, so uh, real quick for somebody who may not know, can you just share the difference between a credit union and a bank? I sure can. Thank you for asking that question because you know what? That was in my notes to do that. (laughs) So this is what I say. This is the 101 of credit union and banking. Um, Banking is for profit. 
credit unions are not for profit. So basically what that means to you is traditionally a bank is going to be higher on the interest rates on things you're going to invest in, your money markets, your IRAs, uh, your um, any your certificates of deposit. Um, our checking account right now earns 7% on one penny up to $3,000. So whether you've got $500 in there or $3,000, it's going to earn 7%. Anything over 3000 is going to earn a smidgen. So if you have a significant other, get them to open an account. You could have six grand earning 7%. Um, so traditionally, higher interest rates on things you're going to invest in. Traditionally, lower interest rates on things you're going to purchase. Your car loan, your home loan, your home equity line of credit, your credit cards, your credit card balance transfers, things of that nature. Also, I think it's very important um, for you all to know is that our board of directors are all volunteers. They do not get paid. So, again, the money that they'd be being paid, we can pass back to you where you don't have to make an initial deposit to open your free account. We pay that for you. We can afford to give you $50 for a referral and get you started. Because you know what? If we can help you, you're going to pass the information on to someone else that we can help. So that's that's basic credit union 101. Right. <laughs> so if somebody's traveling, uh, how difficult is it for them to go to an ATM and get some money? Well, it's not difficult because with our online banking and our mobile app, basically with the mobile app, you've got you've got me and the credit union in your hand. So you can go online, you can transfer money to your kids, you can move money, you could pay your car loan and your car payment right online if you would need to go into a branch, you're going to go into or go onto the website. You're going to type into the search bar. You're going to put in um, shared service centers, or you could put in ATMs. You're going to put in the zip code where you're traveling to or where you are at the moment, whether you're traveling for a job or for fun. It's going to bring up all the surcharge-free ATMs and all of the shared service centers that you could actually walk in the front door and take care of business. There you can make a deposit, cash a check. You could even pay on your car loan at a shared service center. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, you've already shared your passion with community, so I have to ask that question. But you also do networking. I met yes. you through actually Tiffany, right, from when we met at Pauling and you guys came to the ABA Jolt. And, yes. Um, so can you share a positive story of networking? Oh, my gosh. There are so many. I, I'm going to say um, when there was a job fair in Jasper and up in Pickens County, and so we're like, you know, let's just let's go to the job fair it can't hurt because, you know, we're always looking for great people at the credit union. And like I said, I've been there 18 years. So we have very longevity at the credit union as well. And so we're like, let's just go to the job fair. Let's do some networking. Let's see what comes in. Well, it was kind of a slow start to the people coming to um, look for jobs. So I decided, you know, I'm not getting paid just to sit here. So I started networking with the people in the room. That's how I found Highland Rivers Men. Wow. And from there, I just, I fell in love with the ladies at the table. I fell in love with the passion that they had. Um, they had um, drug, and al- drug and alcohol um, substance abuse in their own families. That's why they went to work there. Um, just to see their faces and to see that someone came to their table and was asking questions about their foundation, you know, about their organization. Um, nobody else was getting it from the table. They were all just doing their own thing. And so... Um, that's how I met them. That's how I found out the need. That's how we were able to meet the need. And that just, I've, I've never been one to sit behind my table at an event. Because you know what? Everyone else that's there has a story. And sometimes it just takes one person to go to a table to get the other people to go to the table. And I'll go around and I let them know up front that I'm a vendor. 
but I also let them know that I might have something that they may need and we might be able to network really well together. So that's one of my good stories. Awesome. Well, don't go anywhere. We're not done. Thank but you. I want to move over to Jordan Mitchell. Jordan, thanks for being here this morning. Thank you. It's a pleasure. So for those of you who came out to the locker room chat, you heard a little bit of Jordan's story. But Jordan, you are from Bartow County, a cast graduate, graduated from life, and you are an Olympic-style wrestler working your way to the Olympics. So if you don't mind, you again, you're following your dreams, but share your story if you don't mind. Yeah, so... I am a Bartow, uh, straight from Bartow County, you know, um, completely raised in town. I, you know, from since the beginning, I was at Cloverleaf Elementary School, which I don't know if that uh, elementary school exists anymore. Then I transferred to Kingston Elementary School, town, you know, in between uh, Rome and Cartersville, mm-hmm. and went to Cass Middle. That's where I began my wrestling journey. And the thing about my about my life is like everything has always played out. I was always going to be a wrestler. Um, everything has always, the way it's all gone down, it's all just been orchestrated. And I do believe in a higher power. I do believe in God. I do believe Jesus is a, you know, God in the flesh. And obviously I wasn't like, as I didn't have a very close relationship growing up, you know, cause I was a child. I've gotten more, as I've matured, I've gotten closer. And I started, I start to see his work in my life more as I get older so, yeah, everything's always, uh, you know, played out. Started wrestling in middle school, wasn't good. Um, start, you know, went on to high school, still wasn't good. And I only, the best I ever did in high school was fifth at state, you know. Um, my dreams, my whole journey from when I started wrestling in middle school to high school, I wanted to be a state champ. And go wrestle in college, you know, Division One college. Be an engineer, be an engineer in college, and um, yeah, and from there, wrestle for the Olympics. And this was actually for the U.S. You know, I wanted to wrestle for the Olympics for the U.S. Make the U.S. World Team. So both my parents, um, on one side, both my parents are Jamaican, and I'm first generation here in the states. So. My story, I would say, it begins when I started. It begins a lot, or you know, when I started wrestling. And when I get to high school, uh, once I graduate high school, I get fifth at state. Right? That when I say when I say that that's what I wanted. Like when I was a kid and I was training, and that's what was my that that was my dream was to be a state champ so I could go to college. Because back then, the way I saw it was if I can be a state champ. I can get a scholarship to go to college, to Division One college, be an engineer. My life will be, you know, it'll be golden. It'll be the best thing. When I didn't achieve that goal, it broke me. Like, you know, this is a whole other topic of, like, how, how uh, you know, we pray and things like that, like the purpose of prayer. I used to pray all the time for before matches and be like, God, I just pray that I can win this match. You know, I work so hard, I deserve to win this match. Clearly, that's not the way you should go about it. But I was a kid at the time, you know, and when I lost, it tore me apart. And I was like, you know what? Forget this. Like, I, I, can, it, I can do this on my own, you know. And so I, I, put, I, I talk a lot about God in my, in my path and my journey. At state that year, my senior year, when I was graduating, I got fifth. And I actually turned, I actually was like, in a way, I feel like I turned my back to God. And I actually walked away from the sport of wrestling. So from... You know, I, I went to a national tournament after state, and I was actually talking to the Air Force Academy coach, wrestling coach, 
And I told him, I was like, yeah, I'm trying to get, you know, I want to go to Air Force Academy. I had a 3.5 GPA. Mm-hmm. So I graduated high school with. And at that, at that, at that national tournament, co- the wrestling, the Air Force Academy coach was there watching my match and I choked and I went 0 and 2 and I got destroyed. Because mm. in my mind, I was like, you know what? If I can just become an All American, place at this national tournament, maybe I can get a scholarship. Mm. Went, did terrible, choked, and that was that. And then I had one more redemption, I felt like, at the biggest, biggest national tournament in the country called Fargo. Um, Cadet and Junior Nationals, it's in Fargo, North Dakota. And there I went. I won two matches, lost two matches. That was it. And then that was the last, that was the breaking point. I was like, wow, I'm, looks like I'm not going to college or I'm not wrestling in college. That's it. So I actually walked away from the sport, didn't watch wrestling, wasn't a part of it. You know, it was actually real painful for me to even like watch it because guys, everyone that I had grown up with training with at these other schools, club programs, whatever, they went on to do what I wanted to do. They were in college winning matches, getting scholarships. And I sat there and I was just back. I was in Cartersville working a warehouse job, you know, uh, going to Georgia Highlands and just basically flunking my classes because I was like, I didn't really want to be there. And then on the flip side, everyone else was doing what I wanted to do. And so the year, what about a year and a half after, you know, after graduating, my life was pretty much – I wouldn't say chaotic, but it was like all over the place. I wasn't really got, I, I wasn't really on the path. I was just working. My, I'll be transparent. My GPA at Highlands was a 1.6. Mm-hmm. I was out every night coming back home at 3 a.m. Just, you know, just being out and about. Cause I was just like, I was not, I, I wasn't doing anything I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I, I like to call this, I can go more into detail. What, what, you know, in that, in that, I call that my dead period. I can go more in detail, but I like to call this my burning bush moment. Mm-hmm. You know, like Moses when he mm-hmm. ran to the burning bush and heard the voice. You know, heard God's voice. Yes. I remember I came home one night. It was three a.m. and I remember I just started basically just letting everything out. I remember I was sitting there listening to music, and I just remember saying, "Like, look, God." I hate my life right now. Like I'm not doing anything I want to do. I don't want to be in school. I do, I hate working 10 hours a day, overnight shift. I hate this, you know. And I was sitting. I'm like I'm watching everybody do things I want to do, et cetera, et cetera. I'm in debt. And I remember, I heard this was one of the few times I've ever heard the voice, uh, verbal voice of the Lord. And mm-hmm. when this happens, it's like I remember. Just the atmosphere in the room I was in, it got nice and calm. It was steady. It was like it was just, it was just there. And I remember he said to me, or the voice said to me, he's like, are you done with your pity party yet? Because <laughs> there's still more work to be done. <laughs> I love that. Mm-hmm. And this is, listen to your story, Tammy. Yes. Um, this is where I, like when I listen to people's stories, I always listen for like, when you decide like this is what you're going to do, Yes. And it's just you and Jesus. It's you and God. And you decide like, all right, this is, it's just you and me. We're doing this. Mm -hmm. Everything else after that just kind of plays out. And so I decided when I heard that voice that, you know, your pity part yet, because there's still still more work to be done. I was like, yeah, I'm done. (laughs) So 
<laughs> I don't know what's, I don't know what it is. I know what, I don't know what it looks like, but you know, let's. Uh, it's just you and me. Literally, I was like, it's just you and me, and we're gonna we're gonna figure this out. You know, and that's when I started realizing, like, step by step. First step is I got to get my grades up because I'm gonna have to transfer to compete somewhere, and I can't transfer if I don't have my grades up. Mm-hmm. Second thing, gotta get out of debt. You know, because I was like, at the time, I was like. $4,000 in debt because I had a student credit card mm-hmm. and I was just, you know, not being smart with it. So I have to get my grades up so I can transfer, get out of debt, and then I have to start figure out, figuring out training. You know, I, have to, I was not living a lifestyle of an athlete. So, you know, as time went on, started paying off my debt, got out of debt. There's some crazy stories about that, about how, like, just um, how God really does – puts things into play where it pays off debts. Like there are finances out there for you guys that are in store, you know, blessings that are in store that will help you get, get things done, you know? So mm-hmm. was able to pay off debt and from started figuring out training. And it's interesting because I started coaching. What I started doing was I started coaching at local high schools, local middle schools. And as I was wrestling with the guys, wrestling with the kids, mm-hmm. That's when I realized I was, you know, um, 18, 19 at the time. And I realized I was like, I still have, I still have it in me. Like I still clearly now looking back, it's like, obviously I had it in me. I was only 19. (laughs) I wasn't like old, you know, or, you know, like worn out or retired, but I was like, I still have it in me. Like I can still get this done. And I like to think about that as like, it's what brought me back to the sport was actually helping out mm-hmm. or giving back. Exactly. You know, helping out the kids. Because what really drove me in the beginning, what really drove me to start coaching was helping out these kids achieve the goals that I never did. You know, like I, I've, not to brag or anything, but I've now it's like I've helped out many kids go on to college, get scholarships, win state, become national champs all americans things like that those are things i never got i never did you know coming up and now it's like i've gotten better at coaching and i'm able to help and give back more and that's what brought me back to the sport well if you think about it in sports Mm -hmm. just but the people who make the best coaches are people who either never played the game or sat the bench and looked or ones who think they weren't the best Mm -hmm. you know and didn't accomplish those things so you're right in that category yeah absolutely (laughs) But, um, yeah. And so I started, so this is the part of the journey where it's like, all right, I decided I've got to get, I got to start figuring out training and then I start, I got to start competing. This is where the beginning of the process, you know, and I've, as time gone on, has time, has time has gone on, I started realizing the process of development, you know, what it takes to, you know, jump levels and get better as an athlete. I started, had to figure out training. I, Started training at local colleges. You know, I was training at Reinhardt. Mm-hmm. I was training at Life University. I would go up to UTC in Chattanooga. You know, and this is the funny thing. Again, God really does put things in your life for certain time periods, you know, certain um, just place things out. Like I was training at Reinhardt first, and eventually I guess the way my life shifted, I started training at Life. You know, like just how things just at the time I was at, he – he worked it out to where I was in the best room that I need to be in, you know, possible at that time period. <clears throat> so 
So I'm training. I start competing, you know, on my own. Literally, when I mean I was competing on my own, I'm competing. It's just me driving anywhere in the southeast five hours to go to North Carolina to compete, go to Tennessee to compete, um, Florida to compete, wherever. And it's just me and God. And some tournaments I win, other tournaments I lose. But this is where I started getting – it's like it's almost like God was my coach. He gave me a, a level of discernment mm-hmm. to be able to not be so emotionally involved in my results. And I was able to, you know, understand, like, okay, I lost because of this. I need to look at what I need to do here, you know, and improve on this area. And then it was just, like, rinse and repeat. <clears throat> As I was doing that in this part of my life, I was still getting my grades up, still working, you know, still working um, warehouse warehouse jobs and back in 2019 i actually get in contact with his name's daniel dennis he's a 2016 olympian Mm. he actually started coaching me personally and this is where this was in utc at chattanooga and so he's coaching me you know i he's helping me jump levels and by then my grades are i've got my grades up to where i'm able to transfer Spring of 2020 comes around. I actually transferred to UTC in Chattanooga. It's a Division One college with engineering because engineering was my was my um, was my was my it was like, it was what it was my uh, breaking point. Either it was either I'm gonna do engineering and wrestle, or I'm just gonna wrestle. And so they had engineering, but by, unfortunately, by the time I got there, if any, if you guys understand how college division one sports works, you have a running clock, you know, eligibility. And by the time I got there, unfortunately, I was out of eligibility, but this is the strange, this is the interesting part. So I reached that crossroads and I always knew, like when I got accepted into the school, I had this, I had this, it's like this, uh, this feeling where you have to like run an errand. And you're procrastinating, but you just know you have to do it. I always ha- had this feeling, and it was like it might be too good to be true. Like I spent the last five years working for this moment, training, traveling on my own, you know, without a coach, you know, hopping around, just doing whatever, trying to figure this out on my own. And I'm finally going to transfer and do engineering. You know, I got out of debt. And this this might be too good to be true. And lo and behold, it was. (laughs) But I reached a crossroad where it was, all right. So I had gotten my grades up. And it was either I transferred to Georgia Tech or KSU to do engineering and not wrestle. Or I had already built a family and an establishment at Life University because I was was a volunteer assistant coach there. And I I transferred there and changed my major and continued wrestling. And I was like, you know what? I was talking to my aunt. She gave me some words of wisdom. And she told me, she was like, I told her how I was like, you know, I just felt like it was just too good to be true. And she said to me, she's like, oh, that was the Holy Spirit telling you, preparing you for that for that crossroad. Like, you know, sometimes God will let you know, like, hey, there's a big choice coming up <laughs> in the future, near future. I'm preparing you. So, you know, make that decision. Mm-hmm. And I told her, I was like, well, I don't know what I was. I was like, well. It's either I do engineering and go make money or I wrestle and be broke for a little bit longer and, you know, just do what I want to do. And she said, well, 
that's entirely up to you, brother. Here's one word. Here's one thing to know. If you wake up every single day miserable, chances are you made the wrong choice. Yes. If you wake up every day content and, you know, at peace and just, and you keep moving forward, most likely you made the right choice. Mm-hmm. And looking back, I had already had, I had already lived years, my, my young adult life, working without, without sport wrestling, warehouse jobs, being in school without it. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to change my major in wrestling. I already made this decision years ago. So around that time, um, yeah, around that time, I had actually gotten in contact with the Jamaican coach. He is, his name's Kevin Wallen. He was actually a Jamaican athlete and coach at the time. And he told me, I told him what I was, I told him what was going on. I was like, hey, uh, right now I'm actually not in college right now. I'm actually just training, working, traveling around. And he told me what I need to do. He was like, that's pretty cool. Um, this is what you need to do. You need to get this, this, and this. Get your citizenship and your passport. And that was all he told me. And he disappeared. And from there to 2021, after quarantine, or the initial part of quarantine, Jamaican wrestling, the Jamaican Wrestling Federation completely wiped their board clean and got new people involved. And then one of the coaches, one of the, one of the current board members reached out to me and he was like, Hey, someone passed me along your name. Are you still interested in blah, blah, blah. And do you have your documents and stuff? And I was like, yeah, um, actually I started the process. He's like, all right, fool, if you're serious, this is what you need to do. And by now I was already at life university as a freshman, quote unquote freshman for my first year of athletics. And yeah, so I told him, I was like, yeah, I'm at Life University now. I'm going to keep getting better at wrestling. Just, you know, stick to the process, you know. And from here, this is where I'm at. So those of you who are listening can't mm. see, we're talking about Olympic-style wrestling, not the WWE. Correct. But when you look <laughs> at him, he he's, I don't know, he's not very big. But it's just, it's what weight class do you wrestle? So college, I wrestle 141. 141 pounds, and in international for freestyle, it's 143.3, which is 65 kilos kilograms. Okay. And so when I think about the Olympics in Jamaica, I think of cool runnings. And when I said that to you, you said you are the cool runnings of the Summer Olympics. Pretty much, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, okay, so let's let's do this. So um, you and I sat down and talked. You are trying to currently get to next year's Olympics, correct? Yes, sir. Um, you've already participated in several international uh, tournaments. Well, yes, uh, what was the last one you just you just were at? So, Ju- I was in El Salvador at the Central American Caribbean Games, July third. Is where I was at just previously. How'd you do? I took fifth, fifth right. at the tournament. It was, it was, you know, it was good. Um, hey, top five is always good. Yeah, it's it's tough, but yeah, it was it was a good experience. So, what's next as far as getting to the Olympics? What do you have to do to to finish getting there? So, the way it works, there is a Olympic qualifying tournament, the Pan American Olympic qualifying tournament, and that is in that is next March in Mexico. So, um, have to make the finals. You know, I have to get bronze, uh, gold, or silver to be able, to be able to qualify my weight. So, the way it works is each country there's five weight classes, and you have to you have to place at the requirement 
at a qualifying tournament. There's multiple qualifying tournaments around the world. You know, there's one Asia, Asian qualifier, the Pan American qualifier, the European qualifier, South American qualifier, you know, African. And then there's a couple other ones, last chance qualifiers. And you pretty much just have to medal. And once you medal, you qualify the weight for that country. So I'm the only guy at my weight. So I qual- uh, I medal, I'll pretty much qualify my weight, which I'll just I'll qualify myself for that country. Awesome. So, uh, and these tournaments that you go to, and, and I'm guessing even the Olympics, you have to pay for these for yourself, right? There's no, they don't pay for you to go to these. So you and I were talking about trying to figure out a way businesses or people want to help sponsor you, right? Absolutely. Um, have you guys, you and I sat down and talked a little bit about it, but if, if, if there's a way to do that, how can people do that? So I'm actually, so what you can do is I'm actually set up, I've actually have set up a, virtual business card if you want to follow me and my virtual business card leads directly to my venmo my cash app things like that for donations um i'm still actually and if you want to contact me my contact information is on there also straight to my instagram or facebook or my messenger or my text if you want to talk contact me directly to figure out a sponsor you can work something out sponsorship wise um yeah well, we'll share that information here in just a second. So uh, for those who don't know the difference, talk about the difference between Olympic-style wrestling and uh, it's Roman Greco, right? Mm-hmm. They're two different kinds, correct? Yes, sir. Freestyle. Can you share the difference? So freestyle. So Olympic-style, the two Olympic styles are freestyle and Greco-Roman. Greco-Roman is the world's oldest sport. You know, it's, it's just basically upper body wrestling. You can't touch both of the legs. The goal, the goal of any wrestling is to pin your opponent, put both shoulders to the mat. And Greco, you try to do that with just, you know, upper body wrestling, anything above the waist. Freestyle is basically anything goes. You can grab the legs, headlocks, ankles, anything, you know. But again, the, the end point, the end goal is to pin your opponent's shoulders to the mat. And you can also win by points, you know, so. All right. You also shared with me that when you're done with wrestling, you have a pretty cool dream of doing that when you're done as well. So um, you want to continue working with the next generation and coaching. And um, so I want to ask everybody else in here, did you guys know that Life University has an IT degree? I did not know that. I did not know that until I spoke I to him that. at the yeah, event. So Jordan, that's what he graduated with life with. And, but you also are going back to get a master's, Sorry. which I did not know they had this qualif- or this uh, degree either. Share what you're going to be doing. So I'll be getting a master's in positive psychology and then coaching psychology. Wow. Love it. That's and amazing. then you want to do what with that? So later on, I do plan on being a high school, high school coach, most likely somewhere down the line. Um, yeah. You know, just being that one high school coach is probably a health teacher or a history teacher mm-hmm. and just, you know, developing the next generation. And you said it. you had aspirations too of going MMA as well, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. There you go. All right. So, Awesome. Jordan, thank you for, for sharing that. So um, i got two other questions before we wrap this up. I usually like to ask uh, these while you guys are talking, but since I forgot to ask you first, I decided to wait till the end. Uh, Joan, if somebody wants to get a hold of you and learn about the tours, come do a tour. How can they do that? I have a website, oldcartersvilletours.com. Uh, that's probably the best way. I'm on Facebook. I'm on, um, I'm on Instagram. And so they can follow me that way. Okay. I need followers. There you go. 
All right, Tammy, share if people want to talk to you more about the credit union, how can they get a hold of you guys? Um, they can reach out to us on our website. Um, if they want to reach out to me personally, um, they can reach out to me at uh, T. Casperson, and that's T C A S P E R S E N at I think FI.org. Um, they can also reach out to me by my cell phone, which is 770-681-6859. And we're just here to help people. As my father said, I think you were born from a briefcase. So I learned community service. I learned dedication and work ethic from my dad in the small town that I shared with you that I grew up in. So um, I'm here to help however I can. Awesome. All right, Jordan, share. If people want to follow you, if people want to help you get your dream, share your Instagram. Share. How can people get a hold of you and what they can, how can they follow you? So right now, if you want, you can send me a text message at 678-677-5250. Or you can just reach out to me on my social media, which is Instagram. It's just Prince underscore Jaden, J-A-H-D-A-N. Awesome. All right. Last question that I like to ask before we wrap this up. Um, you guys have shared a lot uh, uh, awesome stories already, but I'd like for you guys to share one piece of uh, positive nugget, a quote, or a word that people can take today, the rest of 2023, and beyond with. Mm-hmm. So, Joan, what do you got? Make a long bucket list now, and we, at the end of your life, have a short one. Mm, nice. Yeah. Do your bucket list. Tammy? Mm-hmm. I like to teach people when I go out to do educational seminars, I like to say, I'm here to help you say no for a little while so you can say yes for the rest of your life. Awesome. Jordan? So I want to say, um, I think, the so understand time. Things take time and have patience. And I say that because Whenever you're trying to do, whenever, and, and I think, I think the principles of life are pretty much universal, whether it's athletics or business mm-hmm. or, you know, building anything, figure out, you know, there's a step-by-step process, figure out what the step-by-step process is, you know, and it's basically just rinse and repeat, you know? So if something, if, if you're trying to develop something, figure out what it is you're doing, fix that and then improve, test it. And then it's just rinse and repeat from there, you know. So, yeah, just understand things don't come quickly, especially things that have longevity and consistency. They don't come fast. So give yourself time and have patience. It's God's timing, not ours. That's for sure. Exactly. All right. So, again, the thank you is a lost art these days. So, Joan, I want to thank you for not only coming on and sharing your story this morning, but what you've added to the community of Bartow with the old Cartersville City Tours. Um, and your story of being an overcomer and following your dreams. Tammy, thank you for everything that you're doing in the community and sharing your story as well and just being uh, the story of hope for others. Absolutely. And Jordan, thank you for what you're doing. I mean, you guys, you're, you're following a passion, your dream, and these uh, next-generation athletes can look up to you and being a good role model, so thank you for that. Everybody out there listening, let's remember, remember, let's be positive, let's be charitable.